For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. So Chicago, fantastic job. You got better. You were already going to be really hard to beat. You just got a hell of a lot better. Oakland, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what message this sends to the locker room. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TD Fantasy Podcast, and if you're a very astute listener, you will realize that this is not the voice of Paige Demacos, or she sounds really different. Uh, she's, I don't know, in Chicago trying to get a signed Cleo Mack jersey or something. I don't know where she's at right now, but you got myself, you got Jake Arians, and we're less than a day away from the NFL season, real football that counts being back. I am super excited. How about you, Jake? I can't be more excited. I hate the preseason. I hate these preseason games. I love all this action that we got going on. This preseason seems as exciting as ever with signings and trades and holdouts and everything else going on. But I uh, can't wait for real football tomorrow night. Well, one of those is the trade of Khalil Mack. And I think we, we can't start the show. We've talked so much about Khalil Mack this offseason. Uh, and you made, a real, you made a bold prediction on the show last week that I think is a really good chance of coming true. You said Khalil Mack's going to get traded and then still could win Defensive Player of the Year. He goes from Oakland to the Chicago Bears for a couple first-round picks. There are other picks in the deal. Second round goes back to Chicago. But the big deal is you have an all-world pass rusher that is leaving a team in his prime and going to the Chicago Bears that are on the on the rise. What do you think about that deal for Chicago? And then any other thoughts about what the hell is going on in Oakland this offseason? I got a lot of thoughts of what the hell is going on in Oakland, but we'll start with Chicago. Ryan Pace, fantastic freaking job. This isn't a golf clap. This is a standing ovation. You are making a run with a rookie quarter, a quarterback on a rookie quarterback contract. And when you have that option, you're seeing the Rams do it and pay a lot of guys, right? Chicago all in on getting better. That defense was already really solid. Now you just added a top five, maybe top three defensive player in the league in his prime locker room leader, right? He's been a captain, defensive player of the year, four Pro Bowls. I mean, you can't say enough about what Khalil Mack did to get paid. I said either paid him or pay him or trade him. So Chicago, fantastic job. You got better. You're already going to be really hard to beat. You just got a hell of a lot better. Oakland, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what message this sends to the locker room. It says if you we draft you in the first round, you do everything right. You're phenomenal on the field. You're phenomenal off the field. You're phenomenal in the locker room. You stayed healthy. We're not paying you jack crap. Anybody that gets drafted there now is going, wait a minute. So I'm getting shipped out in a couple of years if I'm good? Like what, what, does this, what does this send? And then Gruden comes out and says – I want players that are good on the field, good in the locker room, and good off the field. You just described freaking Khalil Mack. It makes zero sense to me. There's no way the picks that they're getting back are going to add up combined to be what Khalil Mack is for your team. I think it was an absolute disaster for the Raiders and a home run for the Bears. Yeah, and I think you could tell the way the locker room feels by some of the tweets that came out right after he was traded about they couldn't the shock and the, I can't believe this is actually happening and from guys like Derek Carr, for example. I mean, from star players on that, or what's left of the star players on that team. But to your point, I mean, I don't know how you come in and play any better, be a better citizen 
be a better locker room presence than what Khalil Mack was. So how, like you said, how do you come into that locker room and under that coach and say, and look him in the eyes and he say, if you do all the right things, I'll take care of you. Really? Did Khalil Mack not do all the right things? It's tough to ask for a better person and player than what he did. But kudos to Ryan Pace and the Bears. I think that puts them in a really, really good spot. That that defense was already on the rise, and now they're going to have not only a great leader for them, but just an awesome player. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and from Khalil Mack's point of view, I don't think we can miss this. The Raiders didn't want him. The Bears wanted him. They showed what they wanted, and then they paid him. He ought to be the happiest dude on the planet. I mean, plus you get out of Oakland and that – it's just, to me, I, I think it was – he's got to be ecstatic. So good, good on him. The next guy we're going to talk about is you'll get into very different situation. Yeah, the, the Le'Veon Bell situation. I, I am a little surprised that it's now in September and we're still talking about this, but he did not report to meetings today, which is Wednesday. Uh, obviously, there's a game on Sunday that they're going to play. What looks like without Le'Veon Bell, uh, his agent came out today and said that uh, his client it doesn't doesn't appear his client's going to be around the Steelers anytime soon. Uh, he's looking to get close to this was a number that was in the article today about seventeen million dollars per year is what he's looking for. Uh, if for those of you that remember, there was actually a deal on the table for about twelve million dollars per year that Le'Veon Bell nixed uh, late last season. So now for this, you're looking at a situation where. Even if he has a change of heart tomorrow or Friday, which I don't look think is going to happen at this point, he's going to be very limited or not out there at all. And there's a backup in Pittsburgh that's been running the ball pretty well this preseason. You know what? So I don't know if the Steelers are going to miss a beat. What do you What do you make of this situation for a Le'Veon Bell and b the Steelers? Well, I'll give you a little insight here. The Steelers do not negotiate with with players during the season. So if he's not there in the next couple of days. They're not going to budge off of their their him signing his tenure as a franchise player. That's what they offered him for this season. That's all they're going to offer him in the meantime. There's not going to be a negotiation during the season. He's either going to report and sign his tenure or he's not. He's an idiot if he doesn't because the Steelers are not the Raiders. They do things a certain way. They have no problem not paying him $17 million a year and going with James Conner. Now, they want to win the Super Bowl. They are all in to win the Super Bowl. You and I talked the last couple of weeks with Paige about how good we think they can be. I think they could still be excellent with James Conner. From a, a, a point of view from this show, I took him in the 13th round of my first draft last night. And I couldn't be happier to have him a, as an option to play. He's looked great in the preseason. From a fantasy perspective, I think he's an absolute steal because a lot of people you can still get later on. Le'Veon Bell has injury concerns. He's had off-the-field issues. Those things do not play in Pittsburgh. He is He is working his way out of Pittsburgh, and he's working his way trying to get $17 million, but he has – big time injury issues in the past, there's no way he's getting that money. He's definitely not getting into Pittsburgh, but if it sits out an entire year, what is your market value then? You're still a phenomenal player, but who's going to pay you $17 million a year? I I don't see it happening. You get back on the field, you sign your tenure. The tenure, by the way, is like 13, $14 million, right? I mean, it's it's something huge. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, It's not chump change. Right. So, but this is a very different situation than Oakland with Khalil Mack, in my opinion, had all the leverage. Le'Veon Bell has very, very little leverage. The Steelers are the Steelers. They ain't changed it for anybody, period. Well, and ultimately right now, Le'Veon Bell, if he's not there, he's not getting paid anything. So there's no contract in place at all. And you know, Right. If he doesn't sign his tenure, he's not under contract. Yeah. So he's not getting any money uh, while he's sitting on the couch right now. And also, if he doesn't sign his tenure uh, by week 10, he doesn't get to play this season. And he's still not a free agent in the offseason. So he has to make that decision. 
sometime before the end of week 10. Uh, right. So you saw Earl Thomas do the same thing. He wants to get to free agency, but if he doesn't play this year for the Seahawks, he doesn't hit free agency. Same exact thing for Le'Veon Bell. You're sitting in the same position next year with the Steelers. Have your rights, and you can't do anything. Get out yeah. there and play and make your 14, 15, whatever it is for your tenure, and, and play. And go win a Super Bowl or give, give them the ability to do it, then get paid. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I just really don't understand. That. But like you said, from, the, from this show, I have James Connors actually my number 16 running back this week for week one. I don't think Bell's playing if he even comes back uh, in the next couple of days. And he is uh, Connors has been super effective in the preseason, in the offseason. Uh, I know it's tough to run on the Browns, but I think he's going to be using that offense a lot. So if you haven't picked up James Conner already, one, you're probably too late. Uh, but two, if you haven't, get him because he's somebody that could be in your lineup as an RB2 or a flex in week one. And go back to last year, Le'Veon Bell was a very slow starter after holding out last year. I mean, it was till like week three or four before he really started being himself. He had like 32 yards in week one. He struggled. And who yeah, knows so what kind of shape he's in if, if he comes back. So, Yeah, and it's probably going to be a timeshare early on anyway. Again, he hasn't yeah. been there all offseason, all training camp, all preseason. It's not like he's going to step back onto the field and get 30 carries in week one if he shows up on Friday. It's just not going to happen. And here's, here's another thing that wouldn't surprise me the Steelers do is even if he comes back and he looks like himself and he's tearing it up, James Conner is going to get some carries. This is not going to be the Le'Veon Bell show. They're not going to give him the ability to hold them hostage for $17 million next year. So I don't think he's going to have the same amount of touches regardless if he comes back and is in shape as he was going to if he had just stayed there and come to camp. So, yeah, so if you're a Le'Veon Bell owner and you drafted early and you invested that number one or number two pick into him, you're not feeling great right now. Uh, that, that's that's kind of a, that's a tough break for you up there. If you don't have, I wouldn't James be Connors feeling great back. if I got him at five, six, or seven in some of these drafts where he's you know he's dropping three or four slots because of this. Yeah. People are still scared. I mean, I've got two more drafts today. I don't know that I'd take him regardless of where I'm at in the first round. Yeah, that's just it's this is why you kind of have to wait on your fantasy draft, as we always say. The longer you wait, the better off you are. And another reason for that is injuries. And unfortunately, uh, shortly after we recorded the podcast last week. A few days later, uh, actually the next day, uh, we uh, had some unfortunate news as we were so excited for this opening of the real college football weekend. Uh, news came out that Jarek McKinnon, the starting running back for the San Francisco 49ers, tore his ACL, will miss the entire season. Uh, he was being drafted as a top 20 running back pretty much everywhere. Um, for people even in 12 and 14 team leagues, he was their RB1. Uh, it's Obviously, it's a, it's a tough injury. Um, it's something you and I talked about him holding up throughout the season, obviously he didn't make it there and it's a freak injury in practice, but you know, now the running duties in San Francisco, they're going to go through Alfred Morris and they go through Matt Breida. If you had to only pick up one or only roster one, which one of those players do you think will be more effective this season for San Francisco? I probably would say Breida because he catches it out of the backfield better than Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's probably in a PPR league going to be your better option. But I think Alfred Morris is going to get the bulk of the carries. And you go back to Shanahan's days in Atlanta, Devontae Freeman uh, did both, but Tevin Coleman was really the pass catching threat. I think both guys are going to be pretty decent options. Uh, I know there was, you know, in that my draft last night, Alfred Morris was going in the ninth or 10th round. I think that's phenomenal value because he's going to be the starter. He's going to get carries regardless. Uh, and Breed is not 100% healthy. So I like right now, I'd probably like Morris better. I think. Higher side is Brita just because of his pass catching ability in that offense. Yeah, I think Brita is the high upside play, but I think especially early on, or especially if I just lost uh, McKinnon and I need someone to start for me early on, 
I think it's Alfred Morris because he's going to get the bulk of the carries. He's not going to be there on the field for third down, which kind of sucks. But, you know, he's familiar with that with the, the Shanahan system. He had success under him when he was calling plays in Washington. So I think there's a familiarity there. Uh, Alfred Morris stays relatively healthy. He's got a nose for the end zone. He's a tough runner. He's been pretty effective. And he's looked he's good. He run. came in in shape and he's looked good, right? I mean, he looked really good a yeah. couple weeks ago. So. so I think even though he doesn't have the upside, he's not as doesn't have as much raw talent as Buida, uh, I think Alfred Morris is the running back you want here early on. But to, to me, if you haven't picked him up already, he's still available and I think like 75% of leagues or something I saw on ESPN as of last night. So don't uh, don't wait on this because he's somebody that I'm probably considering starting uh, in my flex position week one. I think he could be really effective. Yeah. Uh, but another guy, if you're looking at the running situation, not quite to McKinnon's level, but it's still very uncertain whether or not Marlon Mack will start week one. If he does not play, Jordan Wilkins will. What do you make of this Indianapolis running back situation? They've got a ton of backs there, a lot of really young backs there. Do you have confidence in any of these guys, if healthy? No, I think eventually somebody's going to probably step in and separate themselves. I think it'll probably be Mac just because of his experience. Uh, but this is the Andrew Luck show. This is going to be a passing game. They have to run it to not you know, allow Andrew to take so many hits. Uh, but it, sounding like Mac's not going to play in week one, I think he's probably the most talented guy, he's the most experienced guy of, of this group. Um, and I think a lot of it's going to come down to who Andrew trusts and feels the most comfortable with being out there with him because picking up the blitz is probably going to be as important in this offense as running the ball when called upon. And I think the guy with experience that has a nose for doing that is probably the guy that's going to play the most. All of that being said, I don't have a ton of faith in any of them from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, and neither do I. It's, I mean, if, if you're desperate, again, if you've lost McKinnon, you can't get either one of those 49ers running back. If you have a thin waiver wire, maybe you take a flyer on Wilkins, because I, I don't think Mac's going to play either. But yeah, I'm, I'm not in love with this situation at all. I think it's going to be a throwing team. I think it's going to be a team that, because of their defense, is going to be down in a lot of games late and is going to be relying on Andrew Luck to win them ball games, which is their, honestly, if you're in that's your best chance. You put the ball in Andrew Luck's hands because you don't have. Like I said to the show, you have a you have a two win team and a twelve win quarterback. That's your best chance to win. But yeah, I, I'm not in love with with any of these any of these Colts backs right now. And I think Marlon Mack is the best of the group, but I don't know when he's going to be healthy enough that you feel confident starting him on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah, just for a sure. To, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the one guy. All the mock drafts that I've done, and even my draft last night, I picked up Rashad Penny in the ninth or tenth round. And because Chris Carson is listed as a starter, and a lot of people don't pay attention quite as much as we do to the draft and some of these things, you're talking about a superstar talent guy uh, that's maybe not 100% in week one, but if you're getting him anywhere past the seventh round, it's a steal. I mean, he's going to be the starter there. They, they, they invested a first-round pick in him. They're going to run it more than they've run it in the past. I think both guys are going to play, but that's another one that's being overlooked, I think, in my opinion, in a lot of leagues that, man, if you're getting him in past really the fifth or the sixth round, you're talking about a starter on a pretty decent team. Yeah, and you're also looking at a player that this is where you don't want to get trapped into depth charts on week one. And this is the same thing I've always said about Royce Freeman as we've talked about him in the preseason. Who is going to be the one that's carrying the ball? Who is the most talented player in that backfield? And who will be doing it for the majority of the season? And it's going to be Rashad Penny for Seattle. Like it's, Carson's going to get some touches, but Penny is the back that you want in Seattle. Uh, I would not be scared off at all by where you guys are on the depth chart week one. 
Um, the only one that I'd be worried about was, and we talked about a little bit, was Ronald Jones in Tampa Bay because he's had probably the worst preseason, I think, of any running back we thought was going to be a starter for them that we've seen in some time. I think he finished with like under one yard of carry in the preseason. So if, if something like that happens, then yes, that's something you need to pay attention to. But Penny's going to be your the running back you want in Seattle. Uh, staying on the running back train for a little bit, Mike Gillisley. I uh, was picked up by the Saints. He's listed as their number two back. And as we're recording this right now, a player that I was kind of intrigued by and thought was going to get some play in week one, Boston Scott, he got cut, uh, as, as I believe, as of seven minutes ago. So is there any value early on while Mark Ingram is suspension in a guy like Mike Gillisley, or is it just going to be the Alvin Kamara show and don't even think about it? I think they're going to try to make it the Alvin Kamara show. And I've already said that, you know, I think they're going to throw it a lot more the first four weeks. Um, which makes me really excited because I picked up Drew Brees last night in the seventh or eighth round. But my draft was kind of, was kind of crazy. Um, I think they're going to try to make it the Camaro show. There might be a play there if there's a slight nick in week one or they go, okay, we're not going to beat him up until Mark gets back. Maybe he's not as durable as we thought he was, even though he's a you know, 206, 210 pound player, depending on uh, the week. He, he's, he's more solid than he looks with all that speed. Um, if they don't think he can carry the bulk of that, or if they really do want to try to run it that much, there might be a play there until Ingram gets back. And here's the other thing. When Ingram gets back, their next three games are absolutely brutal against the defenses that they're playing. I think it also leans more towards Kamara and the, the passing game. I mean, they're playing the Vikings and somebody else in those three games when, when Ingram gets back, and they have three brutal defenses. Um, there might be a play there. I, I'm not real sure. I, I, I personally think they're going to throw it a lot more. They're going to go back to whatever matchups they think they have. And I think a lot of that's Kamara out of the backfield because I don't know how you're going to cover him. Yeah, I agree as well. That's why I, I think it's worth paying attention to. I'm not sure I would pick up Gillis Lee right now. Uh, one of the reasons why I actually wrote about Boston Scott was I thought he might get some passing down situations. I thought he might get four or five touches uh, in the passing game, but uh, it looks like they're going to try to get him on the practice squad now, so they got some O-line depth. Um, but before we get into previewing the Thursday night game, I want just a couple things on the newswire that I just want to touch on for fantasy owners. Uh, Josh Gordon says he's 100%. Um, technically not starting week one, I think, uh, but I think Callaway is technically they're going to be one of the starters uh, opposite of Landry in week one. But Gordon is somebody, again, you need to get into your lineups and hopefully – I mean, dude's a physical freak. He's missed so much time, but he has been extremely effective when he's playing. He is a physical freak, and he's missed a ton of time, and he might be 100% physically. Is The question is, is he 100% mentally? Um, is he there? This is a new offensive coordinator. This is a new offensive system. Uh, this isn't the same thing that they've run in the past. This is a new quarterback. He hasn't practiced. Where is the chemistry? How rusty is he going to be? I'm a little more leery than most on Gordon. I would not take him as high as I see him going in all these mock drafts in my draft last night. I also think Callaway is an absolute freak himself. He's got off the field issues or he would have been a first round pick. He's a first round talent. If he goes out and plays well on the opposite side of, of Landry in week one or two and Gordon's just spelling him, I think they might be in a position where they're sharing time. And now I think you overdrafted Gordon if you took him high enough in the third or fourth round, fifth round that he might not be the guy that he was. He is an absolute freak. And I think there's going to be plenty of times where they throw it up to him. But I don't know how well-rounded of a receiver he is. And there, I think there's a, there's a situation there where they might be splitting some time. So I don't, that, one, that one's tough. That one scares me enough that I'd probably stay away from it. And there's a lot, there are a lot of pass catchers in Cleveland. You, know, you mentioned Landry. You mentioned Callaway, Njoku. 
I mean, out of the backfield, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, those guys catch the ball. I mean, so there are a yeah. lot of options for Tyron Taylor in that offense. Uh, I, I never took Gordon as high uh, as a lot of these players. I, I, I'm just one of those ones where I'm willing to be wrong. I'm not. I don't think it, I think it's just too risky to take him as a wide receiver two or wide receiver three, as a lot of people have been taking him. Uh, but again, just if, if you did take him, I think you almost have to kind of see where, what you have in week one as maybe a flex play. Uh, other quick things of note, Curtis Samuel will miss week one. Uh, he's had a procedure for a regular heartbeat. I think that makes DJ more possibly relevant in week one. I, I, I'm not buying into all the hype coming out of Dallas about their defense. I don't think that defense is all that special. Uh, and I think Carolina is going to have to throw it to somebody uh, that's not just Devin Funchess and Christian McCaffrey. Out of well, I think what that leads to is Cam Newton running because Dallas's defense does look pretty good from the linebacker and outside linebacker defensive end position. But they still have a very unproven secondary. And Cam Newton getting pressure means Cam Newton's running, which means that offense is clicking on all cylinders when he's moving around. So, yeah, that doesn't scare me a whole lot. I think D.J. Moore becomes – you know, the Funches is a, is a guy to talk about getting no hype, who finished the year pretty strong last year. Um, that's a guy I haven't heard anybody talk about that was still sitting on the board really late last night in my draft. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think he's just he's, – he's not a sexy name. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of given up on him, but I have him like in my top 30 for, for week one. I think he's going to have a big game. Somebody's going to have to, somebody's going to catch the ball from Cam in this game. And he's, he's got the physical talent. I, again, I am very questionable about that secondary in Dallas. Uh, I'm intrigued. I don't know if he's going to be somebody that you want to rely on for 16 weeks, but I definitely think he's very much uh, in consideration to be a flex play in week one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's always a red zone target and he's, you know, a big bodied possession guy. When Cam's moving around, they do have chemistry that they created last year, like like towards the end of the season, like I'm talking about. A couple more quick notes. Uh, Devontae Parker will looks like he will not play week one. He might not play week two as well. Um, so get him out of your lineups. Don't forget about Kenny Stills and Danny Amendola there in Miami, although I think that you, you're still those guys are maybe flex plays at best right now. Uh, maybe if you need a boomer bust guy. Kenny Stills can be that deep threat with Tannehill. He's shown that briefly, but uh, don't love the – I really don't love anything about Miami, to be honest with you. No. Um, and then last thing I want to ask you about this, Jake. Antonio Gates, he will not go away. He re-signs with the L.A. Chargers. Is there any – not just – not talking about week one, but just season long, is there any fantasy relevance for Antonio Gates going back to the Chargers? I really think there is. I mean, the chemistry with Phillip Rivers is unspeakable. The things they've accomplished together in this league are remarkable. Uh, Hunter Henry's health, you know, with the injury last year, I think there's going to be some – I kind of think of it as Jimmy Graham last year towards the end of the season. He didn't really do anything until he got inside the tent. I think Gates is going to be a lot of the same way. They're going to have red zone packages for him where he's still a matchup nightmare, and there, he might have two catches, but one of them is going to be a touchdown. I don't like it, but if you're on the waiver wire and your tight end is on a bye and you got to pick somebody up and they're playing, it really doesn't matter who they're playing because that offense is going to be really good. That defense is going to be really good. I, I think he's a, it's a risky, but he might have two catches for two touchdowns. I, I, that chemistry, Phillip Rivers has no problem throwing it to him. And he's still going to be, he's still going to catch it. And that catch radius is huge. So I think there is, uh, it's a little bit risky, but I think there's definitely still some fantasy relevance there. Yeah, and that, that Chargers offense is going to be really good. I mean, we, we gushed about them a little bit on our last show. I, I really like that team a lot. And, again, I don't, again, I'm not rushing to pick up Antonio Gates right now, but if you have a player that gets hurt or, as you said, on your bye week, I think that's – he's not any riskier than probably anybody else that's outside the top 15 tight ends that are just sitting on the waiver wire right now. So 
And yeah, I mean, if you got Eric little... Ebron or Gates, depending on the matchup that you're playing, you have to sign somebody off the waiver wire. Ebron's probably a little bit higher just because he's younger. He might play more downs, but they're both kind of risky to see what you're going to get. So I think there's, there's relevance there. I agree with them. Nobody's running out to get him. Nobody's drafting him. But I think, you know, as the season goes on, if you're like me and you make a lot of roster moves and you look at matchups, you know, I'm not one of the big analytics guys. I'm looking more at matchups every week and who I can try to exploit and who I think is going to have a big week. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's some definite re- uh, relevance there, fantasy perspective for Gates moving forward. Absolutely. And as you know, a lot of times all you have to do to be a top 10 tight end in a given week is catch a touchdown. So, right. and there's, there's no reason for anybody on the waiver wire that has much better chances of catching a touchdown on a weekly basis as we get a couple weeks into the season than Antonio Gates. But let's, let's break down the big Thursday night game that's coming out tomorrow from a fantasy perspective. Falcons versus Eagles. Nick Foles named the starter in the worst kept secret of all time because, of course, he was going to always start week one. You kind of have to be cleared for contact to play in an NFL game, so that's kind of important. Kind of. Um, so you took Carson Wentz thinking he was going to start week one. I don't know why you didn't listen to Jake, who's been telling you all along, not going to happen. But if you're in a league, how deep of a league do you need to be in to feel confident starting Nick Foles as your quarterback week one? For To, to me, I think, where did I have him here? I'm looking up my rankings here on tdfantasy.com. Uh, I had him down at, I can't, uh, I got him as my 17th quarterback for week one. I'm, I'm down on, I'm down on Foles. I don't, I, we talked about this a couple of times. One, I don't think Wentz is going to play in September. I think they're going to be very careful with him. The, the success that Nick Foles had last year was Peterson did an, an unbelievable job of going back to what Chip Kelly did so well. It was RPOs that Nick Foles ran in college. He ran with Chip Kelly and had success. That's how they won the Super Bowl offensively. The defense won the Super Bowl, but that's how they won it offensively. Now, we've talked about defensive coordinators having an offseason to get ready for this. I don't think they're going to have the success with those, and they don't have the same players. Ajayi is not 100%. Darren Sproles is coming back, who I love and can catch it out of the backfield, but I don't know what to expect from him coming off of this injury, and he's now old. They've got Alshon Jeffries out. Uh, Aguilar, to me, is still unproven. Uh, there's a lot to not like about Nick Foles, and it's not just Nick Foles. It's that offense as a whole. Um, if you have Nick Foles as your starting quarterback in week one, you screwed up your draft or you screwed up the waiver wire. I saw Patrick Mahomes still on uh, the waiver wire last night who didn't get drafted in one of my leagues. Like that is insanity to me because that offense, I, I would take Patrick Mahomes over Nick Foles five times on Sunday and twice today if if I had the chance to do it. So I, I, I wouldn't like it. I would not be feeling very comfortable at all if I had Nick Foles as my starting quarterback. Plus, he's only going to be there for a couple weeks. And Wentz is the guy coming back regardless. It's just a matter of how long it takes. Yeah, so if you if you picked up Nick Foles or maybe you went with a Wentz Foles stack in your draft, uh, there are probably better options. I'd like Alex this week. I like just to name a few guys I don't know that were drafted or were rostered in your league. Um, Alex Smith, Jared Goff, Andy Dalton. Like I would start any of those three guys over Nick Foles. Absolutely, um, Andy Dalton especially. Yeah, I, I on there's that Cincinnati indie game. I know it's that's not a not going to be a really fun game for a lot of people when they look at it just on paper. That's going to be an exciting game. I, I mean, I like the offenses in that game. The Colts with Andrew Luck coming back. The Bengals have something to prove. That's going to be a fun game. And I think that's going to be a very, very fantasy-relevant game. There are a lot of points to go around there. But we'll save that for our Friday previews. But uh, I want to talk about another player on the Philly offense, JJIA. He looks like he's fully healthy now, fully cleared. He's going to start. Where do you have him in your rankings? What do you expect from him? Because he really showed that he could be an RB2 caliber fantasy back when he got to Philly late last season. Do you think that's going to carry over this year? 
he wasn't the same guy when he got to Philly that he was in Miami the year before. And that backfield still has a lot of players. Darren Sproles is going to catch the passes. Clement is still there, who was really good later on and in the Super Bowl. Ajayi is the starter, and he's probably the guy that's going to get the bulk of the carries. But I don't know how many big plays are going to be there for him. And if there's three guys, that means they're split. It's a lot like the Browns with Duke Johnson, Hyde, and Chubb. I mean, none of those guys are that fantasy relevant to me because I don't know who's going to play week to week. You go back to New England last year with three backs. You could put James White in, and he might not get a carry. Or you could have gone with Burkhead and James White has three touchdowns. You just never know who's going to get the bulk of the carry. So I don't think Ajayi uh, is the guy that he used to be. And I don't think they're going to use him a, a ton. I mean, they're going to use him a lot. He's going to get the bulk of first and second down when they're running the ball. But I think those other guys are going to be in there a ton. Yeah, I do too. I think Corey Clement's going to be fantasy relevant. I mean, that's someone I think you should grab and stash on your bench if you have either a standard or a larger than normal bench because – He's going to get some touches, and he's been effective when he's had them. I have a Jaya just outside of my top 20 for week one. So if you're in a 10-team league, he's probably more of a flex play. If he's a 12-team league, maybe he's a low-end RB2. Uh, he's going to get some work, but I just – I don't – he's never going to be that guy that he was a few years ago in Miami. I'm just not, I'm not sure that's ever coming back. That felt like he came out of nowhere. But I still think he can be an effective lower-end RB2 when he gets enough touches, but – like you said, there's just a, there's a lot of players that are going to get touches in that backfield. I think Darren Sproles is going to is going to be somebody that if you're a JHI owner, you're going to be annoyed by how often Darren Sproles is in games. Sometimes I just to me it's you're starting him in week one as either your RB two or your flex, but I won't expect much more than that. I don't think his upside is quite as high as some of the guys that were drafted around him, like the Royce Freemans of the world or Rashad Penny's. Yeah, I, I think he maxes out at 15 carries, and he's more likely to have 11 or 12 than he is to have 20-22, right? Uh, if Darren Sproles yeah. is Darren Sproles of old, and he can show it or he's shown it in camp, he's going to get some screen passes. He's going to get some some carries. He's going to get some action. And then Clement, we know they like. You know, when Ajayi came out of Boise State and was at Miami, he was, you know, a couple years ago, fantasy-wise, he was one of these three-down guys, these Todd Gurley's, these Le'Veon Bells. He was kind of that next-tier guy. And he's not really that anymore. And, I, and the way Philly has used him is not catching it out of the backfield and being a three-down guy and a dual-threat guy. It's just a hand it to him and be a solid workhorse kind of guy. To me, that says 11 or 12 carries 15 max, not 20 and getting the bulk of the load because those other guys are going to take some action from him. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. Uh, but let's, last thing on the Philly situation, do you feel comfortable with Alshon Jeffrey out starting any Philadelphia wide receiver in week one? I think you have to just because they're going to throw it. They're, I mean, Doug Peterson's still going to call plays like he's got a full slate of healthy guys. I mean, they're going to go out and try to win. They're playing a really good team, and that team that they're playing is going to put some points up even though you have a really good defense. Uh, so I think Mike Wallace could be an option. Uh, Mike doesn't get anywhere near the credit he deserves on being a well-rounded guy and not just a deep threat. And I think Aguilar, like I said, is still unproven, but he kind of proved to me last year that he stepped up and can be a pretty solid guy. I think Aguilar is probably the play there. Um, you know, if you have a, a very weak flex option, he's going to be the number one targeted guy for them. So I think that's probably a, a decent option. I don't like any of them a ton, but I mean, if, if you have him, it's not a bad way to go. Yeah, I, I think Aguilar is a th- – low-end flex play at best. You probably have a better option, but I understand, you know, I, I was, you know, I was at the dinner with a buddy last night and he subscribed to the philosophy that, you know what, I'd rather have an okay number one option for a team than a good number three option. 
And if you subscribe to that theory that you that well, Nick Foles has got to throw it to somebody, uh, then you will start Aguilar in your flex. Uh, Wallace is an interesting play. Maybe if you're desperate or in a DFS league and you need just a, a Hail Mary at a cheap price, um, or if you're just doing like a one night league and you want to see, you know, want to see, okay, well, I don't think many owners are going to own him. So I have a chance to gain a big advantage there. If he has a big game, that could be a play, but I don't think unless you're in a, maybe an 18 team league, maybe a 16 team or more, you're probably not considering starting Mike Wallace at all. Uh, on the other side yeah, of the ball, I mean, he's I mean, just a deep threat, and they're going to they're take a couple shots, right? So, I mean, there's a chance that he's like J.J. Nelson last year for the Cardinals. They're going to take a couple shots with B.A.'s offense coordinator. Peterson's going to take a couple shots, and they're probably going to beat him Mike Wallace. So if he has two catches for 81 yards and a touchdown, it was damn sure worth it. But does that happen, right? I mean, that's it's very, very risky play. High-risk, high-reward play. Uh, on the other side of the ball, obviously, you know you're starting Julio Jones. But if you had to start a second – Falcons receiver. Who, is, who are you going with week one? Are you going with Calvin Ridley, the rookie, or are you going to go with Mohamed Sanu? I'm going to go with Sanu just because of his the comfortability factor of him and Ryan together. I mean, Matt Ryan trusts him. He really likes him in the red zone. He's still really quick in and out of breaks. He goes up and catches it with his hands. I think there's a chemistry there with Matt Ryan that Calvin Ridley doesn't have yet. I think he will. And I think he's definitely a play later on where I think he'll pass Sanu later on. But I think early on in this game, especially, Matt Ryan's going to go back to being comfortable. And I think that is more Sanu. I, I tell you, another one I really like in this game is Tevin Coleman. I think they're going to use Tevin Coleman more uh, than they used him in the past. I think he's going to play in the slot some and match up on safeties and linebackers, which you've seen a little bit here and there in the past. But he really came on last year when Devontae Freeman got hurt. And I think those two guys are going to split a lot more time than they have in the past. And I think that's going to hurt the guys that are taking Devontae Freeman in the, you know, the third round as he's still a top 15 guy. I think he's going to drop down because I think Tevin Coleman's going to get a little bit more action. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think uh, to me, I'm going with Sanu as well. But both Sanu and Ridley are outside my top 40 receivers for week one because I, I don't know. Again, I think Austin Hooper's going to get a little play, not a lot. I'm not a big Hooper fan. But I think Tevin Coleman's a legit flex play uh, this week. He's, he's going to get the ball. He's going to get thrown the ball. He's going to play in the slot. You know, we've talked about they can that offense can't sustain both of those backs the way that they use them. Um, it's not quite the same the way Howard and Cohen are used in Chicago, but it's similar enough that if you can kind of get the picture that both those backs can be on the field. And Tevin Coleman has proven that he can be a pretty damn good pass catcher and be effective in that role oh, yeah. out of the slot. Like this is not speculative. Yeah, he's so he, he he's a legit player. I mean, he came out of Indiana the year before Jordan Howard and was an absolute beast. He was phenomenal last year when he had to fill in for. For Freeman, the difference between them and Jordan Howard and Cohen is they're not on the field together. Where we all expect Cohen and, and Howard to be on the field together, and Cohen kind of playing the slot or being in motion, uh, playing a little bit of that Tyreek Hill, more of a running back, but still that position that you've seen from the Chiefs' offense with Matt Nagy. I don't think you're going to see that in Atlanta. Those guys are going to be one or the other, and it, that Atlanta offense is really, to me, other than Julio Jones, is very scary to take anybody because they're the ball. There's only one ball. I mean, how many guys are going to get? enough touches Hooper actually like a little bit more than you because he is the starting tight end there's going to be a place for him in every single route concept whether or not Matt Ryan throws it to him is another story because there's a bunch of guys uh that scares me I I think a lot of that's why I dropped Julio outside my top five just because he's still going to be the guy still going to get the majority of the targets but there's still going to be other guys you don't have to force it to him like you have in the past that offense could be really really good or it could struggle trying to figure out who's who's going to be the guy to get him over the hump, right? Who's going to who's going to be the guy that gets focused on that week? 
And Julio is still going to draw the most attention from the defense. So somebody's going to have to step up, and Matt Ryan's going to have to have that chemistry with them to make it work. Absolutely. It's figuring out who that is. And uh, for this week one, I have Julio Jones ranked as my sixth, number six wide receiver week one. But I have Zach Ertz as my number two tight end. I really like this matchup for Zach Ertz. And obviously, you don't need us to tell you to start Zach Ertz considering where you drafted him. But uh, just I think he's going to be in for a really big week. Uh, any other thoughts about this game? I will throw out this, that I know this is not the Friday show. However, uh, I've been touting taking the Falcons and the points all offseason. Uh, one, I, I still don't believe in Nick Foles a ton. I, I know what – I saw the playoff run. I got it, guys. I saw it. But I still don't believe he is a top half of the league quarterback. Um, and whenever you have these massive you know, Super Bowl winning ceremonies at home, those teams typically have a really slow out of the gate. They have, a, they have a mental block trying to get back into the game of football when they're being celebrated, they're getting their rings, they're seeing the banners, all the things that get them out of their normal routine. And the other team's just kind of sitting there and stewing on the sidelines ready to go. Uh, I think that happens again this year. So I like the Falcons and the points in this game. But uh, either, Jake, do you want to talk about that or any other fantasy-relevant stuff that you think from this Thursday night game to open the season? I say we pick this game. I like it. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think um, I like Philly. But I like them the second half of the season. Like, I like the Giants a lot, but I really like them the second half of the season. I think there's going to be some growing pains for both. Philly's got to get healthy. You know, they, they won the Super Bowl. They got the excitement. That city went bananas. I think Philly is going to really start picking it up when Carson Wentz comes back. I he was not the guy that won the Super Bowl. He was the guy that got him there. But he, he didn't win it. He's still going to have that chip on his shoulder, and that energy is going to be extremely contagious when he comes back. But until he comes back and is the guy again, they're not healthy. Foles is just Foles. He, just because last year they, they caught lightning in a bottle and won it doesn't mean that's going to happen again. The defense is going to be really good, but they've got some injuries over there too. That secondary is still unproven. they got guys moving around. they got a lot of pieces. I like them, but I like them a lot better later on in the year. I think the Falcons could make a run, and I think the Falcons are hungry coming off a Super Bowl loss and the hangover they had last year. That's a really talented team that's got to figure some things out. But I'm going to take the Falcons 27-20 on the road to start the season. Uh, so I'm taking the Falcons in the points as well. Yep, there you go. So if you're if you're bold, you could take the money line, which you're still, I think, last time I saw was plus 110. Uh, otherwise, you could take the Falcons plus three, which is where it is now. And the base doesn't seem to want to move off that line much. But I'm just I'm just super excited that football's back uh, and real football's back. Now, the fake football held us over. It got it got the, the little bit of a fix to get us through the last month. But real games that matter. No more talk. Fantasy's back and. Uh, before we before we go again, I want to encourage you guys if you can, uh, please rate and subscribe to the show. Rate and review on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Stitcher. It uh, really helps us. It actually pushes our podcast up the charts so that people are searching for new football podcasts or new fantasy podcasts, new gambling podcasts. We will show up there, so we really do appreciate that. Uh, Jake, how can they follow you on Twitter and Instagram? Jake B Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. And I'll add as we get into doing these picks. Uh, there'll be a lot of questions on who's doing what. And we, you know, we have our picks on Fridays and our gambling shows. I don't look at the Vegas lines when I make my picks at all. I just go off of what I see and I throw a number out. A lot of times it's very similar. And I've had a lot of success in the last five years doing it, if you want to call it handicapping. But I don't necessarily do it off of the Vegas line. And I love to hear when we do our shows and you and Paige have looked at it and you guys throw it out there and go, I either, I either get like a little shimmer and go, oh, I'm off or I feel pretty good about that. Uh, like I said, more times than not, I, I feel pretty good about what's going on there. I just want to throw that out there, and I will not be picking any games that my dad calls uh, this year just because 
I don't want to hear any questions about, you know, insider or whatever or anything else. So we'll talk about those games. And that happens to be a game that I'm very excited about. We'll talk more about Friday, and that's Cleveland and Pittsburgh. But just want to throw that out there. So excited football's back and can't wait to, uh, to keep moving on with the show. Absolutely. So for those of you that may be just joining us, kind of uh, our format is Mondays and Wednesdays are going to be extremely, uh, extremely fantasy heavy. And then Friday is going to be kind of a combo. There's obviously going to be a lot of fantasy talk, but there's going to be a lot of gambling talk that's mixed in as well. So if you are like to wager on the game, we'll just kind of like that kind of talk because it all ties in together. If you kind of know how the game is being played out, if you kind of know where the points are going to be scored, you can kind of construct what the fantasy picture looks like. So this all stuff, it goes hand in hand, but, uh, we're going to be really excited for the season. I think you're really going to like the kind of podcast that not only that we've brought to you, but we will be bringing it to you now that we're going to have some games for real. Uh, if you want to follow me, it's at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at J-M-E Eisner on Instagram. Uh, follow the show at TD Fantasy underscore on both Twitter and Instagram. And check out TDFantasy.com. You can see my rankings. You can see the articles we put up. You can see all of our podcast listings. You can get all the stuff that you want there. Part of the Scout Fantasy Sports Network tdfantasy.com. Thank you, Jake. We will be back Friday with a whole lot of games to cover. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.